WDET is supported by the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, celebrating and honoring Black history throughout the year. Open to the public Wednesday through Sunday. Details and information on all programs and exhibitions at thewright.org. And welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join us. One of the really great things about Detroit is how many great artists and thinkers and critics get forged in these streets. And one of the great things about my job here at WDET, frankly, is getting to know so many of them and bringing them to you our listeners. Dream Hampton is one of those Detroiters. She's a filmmaker, an artist, an activist, and a riveting observer of our nation and of our cultures. A few years ago, she was named one of Time's 100 Most Influential People. She received a lot of awards for her documentary, Surviving R. Kelly, and she's constantly looking for stories that are really important to us as Americans and as humans. And she's got a really great eye for stories that often go untold. More recently, we had Dream on Detroit Today to discuss her short film, Fresh Water, where she explores themes like water and memory in her hometown of Detroit, and now she's got a lot of new projects, some of them tied to themes around hip-hop. When she appears here on Detroit Today, the conversation tends to go in a lot of directions, and so we usually need a lot of time to talk with Dream about what she's up to and what she's seeing. I'm really excited to have her here to talk about what she's doing and uh, what's going on in our nation. Dream, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. It's so good to talk to you again. <laughs> yes, it's great to have you here. Um, so uh, let's start here. Last time you were here, we were talking about your short film, Freshwater. Uh, now you're working on a lot of new projects, some of them tied to hip hop. I, I want to start with this Netflix, this Netflix documentary that you're, you're working on. Talk a little about that. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to have to censor it, but it's called Who You Call in a... B. <laughs> right, that's um, good. Okay. We can quoting, do that. <laughs> um, okay, good. Quoting Queen Latifah. Um, it's about women in hip hop. This is, of course, the 50th anniversary of hip hop. I recently, when we were working on this project, Kathy Andoli uh, wrote this great book, um, Queens. Uh, it's, it's about women in hip hop. And, and she located the origin story of hip hop, Cool Herc, and and that Sedgwick Avenue, um, you know, party in their project building rec room was, wasn't a cool heart party. It was his sister Cindy's party. Cindy asked her brother to DJ. <laughs> um, right? So even the origin story of hip hop right. um, 
yeah, we found a little erasure there. Yeah. Um, it was it was <laughs> it was Cindy's party, Cool Herc's sister. She asked her brother to DJ, and that is what we celebrate um, as the anniversary of hip hop. So the 50th is being celebrated all year. We saw the kickoff at the Grammys. Um, which, you know, was problematic. I don't want to get digressive. Right I was going to say, we're going to have to talk about that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. I, I, I want to stop you and talk just about the title here. Uh, and when the producers put the rundown together and, and I saw it, I, I immediately knew what that, what that reference is to, right? It's, it's uh, mm-hmm. that, that first big hit that Queen Latifah had back when we were teenagers. Uh, right. uh, but but it, it is, it is a, a real clarion, I think, uh, of uh, the, the, the beginning of and the emergence of women in, in hip hop. For me, it's the first time I can remember really uh, focusing in on or or paying a lot of attention to uh, a female hip hop artist, uh, but, but, and of course, it is this enormous uh, uh, statement of protest uh, against against misogynist culture. Uh, it's it's amazing to me that what is it forty years later now almost uh, that it still has as much power. Uh, as it does, yeah, just that phrase. the Queen Latifah song. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, by the time she comes along, there had been ten years of women talking back. I mm-hmm. mean, the real rock fan, mm-hmm. that whole tradition. Women, you know, enter hip hop as MCs. We'd already been there as B girls, and I'm sure as DJs, and in every way possible. But we enter hip hop as MCs, clapping back. You know, talking back, as as Bell Hooks would say, to the misogyny, to the sexism, um, meeting it with, you know, kind of as much braggadocio and sass as what the men were giving. But it's it's an immediate kind of confrontation. And and that, too, was my, you know, history in this genre of mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. I When I got to New York at 19 to go to film school... NYU, I, um, the very first thing I wrote, I I was a photo editor at a magazine called The Source. And the very first thing I wrote was um, an essay, an editorial, you know, calling Dr. Dre the B word. Um, Famous Dr. Dre, (laughs) who gives you beat speakers and who who had a Grammy named after him and went and accepted that Grammy. It was the weirdest thing. But, I mean, he accepted the award. Um, and, you know, it was because he had brutalized Dee Barnes, um, who was maybe a year older than me, you know, one of the first um, women to have a hip-hop television show on the West Coast. She was, Ralph McDaniels was on the East Coast, but she was holding it down as a 20-year-old on the West Coast. And... Um, she was beat up by Dr. Dre. Eminem, of course, made fun of that a yep. few years later. Um, some insufficient apologies have happened. No real restitution has happened. So when Dr. Dre appears at the Grammys this year, last month, Dee Barnes immediately um, takes to Rolling Stone and writes about her continued erasure that, you know, not only has there never been a real apology and real attempt at like restitution made, not just towards Dee, but all of the women um, that Dr. Dre has physically harmed in his personal life, 
um, Dee wasn't in his personal life, that she was a professional journalist conducting an interview before there was an East Coast, West Coast beef. There was the spectacular breakdown of NWA. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're old enough to remember this and we don't have to read it. In real time, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, before there was Tupac and Biggie, there was like Ice Cube against NWA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and basically Eazy-E and Jerry Heller. He was accusing the group of exploiting him of having um, not done him right financially. And so they made the worst records about each other. Oh my God, they talked about lighting each other's cherry curls on fire. Yep. <laughs> it, was yep. it was crazy. <laughs> right, so D. Barnes interviews Ice Cube um, and he says something about NWA, he disses them. Um, and uh, Dr. Dre sees D. Barnes at a club in LA and, and beats her. You know, no one intervenes. He drags her into a bathroom to continue beating her. It was brutal. Um, Again, you know, this has been made light of. She's become kind of the punchline. Mm -hmm. But before that, and and by the way, Ice Cube and he never fought. (laughs) Like in that whole kind of breakdown of people stealing each other's money and and NWA kind of falling apart, the only person who received a beatdown in that was D. Barnes, you know? so just this incredibly, and, and, you know, even Dr. Dre talks about it as this kind of open, he, he, it's kind of an albatross for him. Like he considers it something that will never go away. And it's like, yeah, because you won't actually deal with it. You know, she's asked to like have a sit down with him in public. Um, but anyway, so when I think of like the history of women in hip hop, and I was asked to do this project again. This isn't some something I've actually been trying to avoid hip hop because I've been so associated with it, even though I have a lot of distance from it. Mm-hmm. I've never, for instance, listened to a whole Kanye album. I just <laughs> I haven't. Been, I don't know the difference between little baby and the baby. And <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, you know, when Rasham Nihan, who's also um, a Michigan native. And Carrie Twig, who's right next door, she's from Ohio. Um, they have a company, Culture House. And when they invited me onto this project, I initially just wanted to give them advice and, and make sure that they temper some of the, the triumphant kind of jubilation and celebration of women in hip hop with some of the realities, um, with some of the inequities, some of the erasure, um, just, you know, some of the kind of longstanding injustices yeah. and and kind of tragedies of women in this music, you know? Um, Not to make it a downer series, but I don't want the whole thing to be triumphalism. So I came in with the Debbie Downer (laughs) (laughs) as an executive producer. And then I I direct one of the four episodes, and that'll be out this fall. Um, Yeah. So what do you make of where hip-hop is with women and female representation now i mean hip hop is much is very different now than it was uh when when queen latifa uh makes that song unity um uh and and hip hop is is um more it's just it's just everywhere now it's it's uh, ubiquity mm-hmm. in a way that it wasn't then but but is it do you do you feel like it is less uh, less prone to the misogyny, not just that she was speaking out against, but that, that you're talking about, you know, with with people being beaten and 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 you know the really really over the top kind of things that uh, that used to happen. You know, 
I, I don't know that it's changed so much, you know? I, I hear you. And, and Latifa, that early, she's coming in in the late 80s with, mm-hmm. with the Native Tongues. You know, what a what a glorious era. Yeah. My favorite album back then was Three Feet High and Rising. Yes. So, yeah. That's you know, still God one of my favorite True albums. Boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. I just, mm-hmm. it really spoke to the cast tech girl in me. who <laughs> 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 was like a little weird theater kid, you know, um, <laughs> Who, who loved LL Cool J, but when that Prince Paul produced, They Lost Soul record came out, and it did, it, you know, we talk about Three Feet High and Rising as this album that informs something like NWA, yep. like the skits, right? Yep. Like Prince Paul is bringing that to the game. But in terms of the misogyny and, you know, Ice Cube talked about hip hop, or maybe it was, uh, it was Chuck D who talked about being the CNN of, of, of America or Black America. I, I think that you know, from the very beginning, you're going to locate the hyper-misogyny, the cartoonish misogyny. I mean, and by the way, even in the Native Tongue family, I remember, you know, Tribe Called Quest did a song called Date Rape, which, um, you know, is as problematic as, as Slick Rick's treater like a prostitute, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that by the time Latifah is, you know, by the time the 90s start, you know, the ubiquitous of hip hop is already happening. Like the kind of global takeover is happening. Now it's it's just a little neuter to me. I mean, mm. it, 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 there was a time when it felt a bit threatening. It felt a bit like it might be radical, like it might change things. I know that I used to have a framework around hip hop where some of my organizing used to be informed by hip hop. That's not true anymore. And it hasn't been for a long time. Um Wow, Trisha Rose. I know she was on a. De- I was on a debate with Trisha Rose in London once. I totally lost that debate. I was on the other side of her with Michael Eric Tyson, <laughs> arguing for hip hop. And Professor Trisha, Professor Trisha Rose at Brown University said that hip hop has become the cultural arm of capitalism, yeah. and I'll never forget that. Um, it feels like that sometimes, but then, you know. I, I keep coming back to it. Like, uh, you do. Okay. There, there, there's always, to? I mean, I, so I am always going to have Jay-Z at the top of, uh, you know, of the hip hop sort of pile for me. And, and I know how kind of problematic his work can be, but, um, but I, I, I can't stop listening uh, to him. I'm, I got really excited when the, um, you know, when the catalog for, um, uh, De La Soul got got re-released recently, right? Now we can buy it again. Um, uh, I, I love that. Uh, I do love the baby. <laughs> I have to say <laughs> that, right? I just I he's I, the one that's a little bit conscious, right? That's yeah, different than little baby. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it is different than yeah. little baby, and and of course uh, Kendrick, right? Uh, I, I, oh, I, yeah, feel like, I feel like I feel like. His work is always right there. Now, I'm just listening to myself, and I'm thinking, okay, these are most of the things on my list are pretty old, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's not. Well, the baby's pretty new. The baby's I mean, the, Do you remember though when it felt like a movement? It just doesn't feel that way. No. And, and by the way, maybe it shouldn't be for us. Maybe it is to younger folks. I don't know. Well, I mean, um, it is everywhere now and it is everywhere in a way like you said that it wasn't when 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 we were younger. I mean, there were radio stations that would not play uh, uh, that music when when we were teenagers. There were there were black radio stations that had a hard time deciding 
what of hip hop they were they were comfortable with. Now it seems like uh, you know I think you're right that that, that there isn't as much controversy around it unless someone like Kanye says something like what 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 he did. Uh, but that's not about the music per se. It's just about him. Um, and, and it is more. It is the culture now. It is. It is all culture. I feel like is so heavily influenced by by hip hop, whether it's music or language uh, or just the way people interact with each other. Um, I mean, I, I spend time on YouTube watching uh, videos. Every video, no matter the subject, I can I can trace what they're doing or how they're doing it, I feel like, back to hip-hop. Yeah, I, I don't argue it. And, and maybe that bores me. Yeah, I was invested in it when it was slightly counterculture. Um, I know that it remains like an important way for us to talk to one another. And so that will never not be important. And by us, I mean like, and I'm not even a part of the yes, us, but young black people, you know, yeah. it's very much a conversation that other people are kind of watching. Um, and, and, and by the way, women in hip hop, back to your initial question, like this is, it's never been a more interesting time for women in hip hop. I mean, you know, some of the themes that we are exploring is how there could only be one back in the day. Like yeah. Yo-Yo was a like the one chick down with the lynch mob and um, Foxy Brown was the one chick down with Nas and them. And, you know, everyone had little Kim was the one chick down with Junior Mafia. Um, that's changed, you know, like Nicki Minaj um, has dominated. She dominated, you yeah. know, the scene sales uh, was probably the most interesting performer for a decade. Um, Cardi B is arguably, um, you know, we don't connect her to any group. Um, Lotto, like all of these artists that are coming up now, um, Chica, you know, yeah. There's so many interesting artists and they all, you know, look different, you know, Cash Doll from Detroit. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. um, they all have their own lane and they're not being ushered in. Tierra Whack is like one of the most original artists to come out in a while. And they're all, you know, they're all in their own lane. I, also, the querying of hip hop has been amazing to see. Do you remember when we used to have these awful like hunts for who was the gay rapper, right? right In that right. era, it was so terrible. And I could have never imagined a little Nas X, um, you know. So yeah, no way. when I think right. of, exactly. <laughs> so when I think of like young M.A., you know, telling dudes, I'll steal your girl, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I I just, I'm, I'm so happy that like, that there is this, that, that women are out, that people are out. Um, so in that way, I mean, it's just in track with its generation. Like yeah, yeah. its revolution is, is gender and sexuality. Um, well, the thing that it's radicalizing is gender and sexuality. Sure. Um, sure. But hip hop isn't the forefront of that. It's just a part of it's it. It's just part of how that's yeah. changed in the wider culture. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and raise a little money during our on-air spring fundraiser. And when we come back, we are going to continue to talk with Dream Hampton about her work, about her criticism of our nation and our culture. Uh, also, uh, as always, look, it's fundraiser. We need you to, if you're not a member here at WDET, become a member. Uh, be a real member of this community by making a donation to WDET. You can do it at WDET.org right now. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. 
You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm glad you've joined us. Our guest this hour is Dream Hampton, a filmmaker, activist, and writer from right here in Detroit. She joins us from time to time to talk about her work and the things she's seeing uh, in our nation and our culture. I want to hear from you as well during the conversation. Give us a call. Uh, we've been talking about the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. Uh, what do you make? of that anniversary. What are the things about uh, hip-hop that stand out uh, to you as good things, things that you like about it, things that maybe uh, make you uncomfortable or that you don't like? Uh, Do you think hip-hop has changed over 50 years? Uh, How is it different? Is it better different or is it worse different? Uh, Also, uh, we're going to talk in a little bit about uh, black representation in television and films in other ways. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag us at uh, Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Dream, before we move on to some other things, I do want to talk about uh, the Grammys uh, recognizing the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. While it was going on, uh, of course, on Twitter, I was like, oh my goodness, this is kind of a disaster. <laughs> um, you know, people were really reacting. Uh, but I, but I'm really curious to so what you thought of how that how that came together and what it what it, I guess what it, people seem to think lots of things were missing. Uh, there was no way to represent 50 years in totality in the time that they had. But uh, but what did you think of it? Yeah, did people think it was a disaster? I thought I Amir kept seeing all this stuff yeah. on Twitter about, uh, about who the was there and who was not <laughs> there, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a large. It, I mean, this. You know, I think about when New York kind of lost it, and I think about even when I entered the Source magazine as this, you know, young adult um, who'd grown up listening to Too Short and. Egyptian lover and mm-hmm. and these these New York kids were like so provincial, you know. And I think about them, meaning the East Coast, kind of losing it, <laughs> like <laughs> losing being the epicenter of hip hop. Um, some of that began with just a flat out kind of um, just denial of what was happening on the West Coast with Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. with the Chronic with NWA, just being incredibly dismissive. Of course, New York at the time was a media center. I mean, in some ways it still is, but all of the magazines were being produced there. And, you know, that it's just where media was happening. And so there was this willful kind of blind, you know, blindness. And so then by the time that the South comes up, you know, um, it, it, it was just, it was done for New York in a way that they just couldn't see. And so when I think of someone like Amir, who's from Philly, who always had that kind of, Amir's Questlove, who yeah. um, was the musical director of the the actual musical tribute, um, which was separate than what we were talking about with the Dr. Dre Award, yeah. which literally could have been named after almost anyone else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I, I just think of, you know, Philly's like in in New York shadow in a way, and they have their own tradition going back to Scooby D and just great MCs. But um, 
you know, I, there's always going to be like a curatorial kind of like bias. And I, I think that he tried to fit folks in, you know, he's a big Jay Dilla fan. So yeah. I'm always going to love him there for that. Um, for it. Cause Detroit never gets recognized outside of Eminem. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that as this year progresses, there are going to be a dozen, dozens <laughs> <laughs> of tributes marking the 50th anniversary, and there'll be all kinds of opportunities. Yeah. The Grammys have never been the place. I was thinking about how ironic it was when you were saying that we had these R&B stations that promised you they were mm -hmm. hip-hop free. Mm-hmm. And and then when they did play hip hop, they would only play Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that true. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I can remember even here in Detroit, the, uh, the 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 black radio station struggling with how much to play. Right? I mean, they were all going to play some some variation of uh, what was happening, but but you know, it was really pushing the bounds of what commercial radio. Uh, could be uh, back in the 80s and 90s. You know, I, I would also, this, and just to kind of wrap that up for our, I, I would say that, you know, it was the first time in Black music that there was a real kind of seismic, like, fissure between the generations, uh -huh. you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, like, you know, the church would have preferred that Sam Cooke stayed in and you know, they would prefer that like a lot of their gospel artists didn't sing secular and there was some tension there, but it wasn't the complete break that hip hop was. Obviously that's animated by, you know, the crack era, which for our generation, we were on the other side of it, not using, um, but selling. And, and so there was that whole line that Biggie had, even her parents are, you know, sick of us calling the police when, you know, on us. And, and so all of that, that kind of generational, like, you know, schism that happens with hip hop. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's the first time. And I don't, I'm sure that when, I don't know, someone like, you know, Cecil Taylor or some of the radical kind of free jazz folks, avant-garde folks, I'm sure they got accused of like sounding like noise. I'm sure Coltrane sounded like noise in the beginning to some people. Um, but this was like a true harmonic break. It was a break in every way. You know, De La Soul, you talked about being happy that their catalog is now available. And and you know the story behind that, sure. you know, that the people that they were sampling, people like Steely Dan, um, by the way, people like George Clinton, all of these people refused to clear these samples back in the day. They had a moral objective. That's right. Um, not necessarily to the way, like to how the music sounded, like what was being said, but to how it was being produced. Um, they considered it theft. The idea of sampling wasn't one that they considered creative or innovative. And um, that standoff continued until De La Soul's catalog was released this week. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and you know that was a that was that's a seismic shift in the way that uh, that music is produced and consumed, and you know all of the kind of connections. I I have this really cool playlist that I listen to uh, all the time. That is, uh, you know, hip hop songs, and then uh, also the songs that they sampled. 
Um, so you're hearing the original and then you're kind of hearing the, 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 the hip hop version of it or the, the hip hop song that uses it. And it's really interesting to try to put something like that together with a lot of that music, right? Um, uh, you, you dig way back, uh, into, into all kinds of different music. I mean, it's jazz, it's folk, it's rock, it's, you know, it's all kinds of things. And it's, it, it's my favorite, it's my favorite playlist right now. <laughs> I love those too. Yeah, I was a big jazz head, but I didn't I didn't listen to the Heat Brothers until Charp Call Quest sampled them. Right, right. Yeah, it was a, it was digging in the crates and it was important. I mean Beyonce, by the way, just did that with Renaissance, you know. She um and, and I wish they'd seen it that way. I wish they'd seen it as a tribute because that really was what our generation of producers were doing. They were paying tribute and homage to those to the music that our parents played and that we grew up listening to and our basement parties and block parties and skating yeah. rinks. And I wish they, you know, just taken those checks and not had this kind of like digging in their heels. Right. But right. Beyonce, you know, she just did that with, you know, when you look at the uh, credits on Renaissance, what she's doing is for the first time, she's making sure that these like club DJs, these people in this kind of, you know, dance underground scene, often black and queer, are for the first time getting checks. Um, they're you know they're they're on there as co-writers, yep. so they're getting they're getting these like they're getting you know checks every time her music is played, um, and so you know and, and in that way she's like remedying this this great wrong around erasure that had happened forever. Um, so it's just you know it's interesting yeah. if, if, if if the early kind of um, I, I think it was uh, who was it that just thanked her? Um, someone just thanked her. Oh, Kevin Aviance, mm. a drag legend, um, just signed to like a big time management company, um, and and you know she was just like, thank you, Beyonce. I finally feel validated. I never mm -hmm. thought a fifty four year old, you know, black ball queen from New York City underground scene <laughs> would be offered, you know, this yeah. job. And so, you know, there's some like, you know, restitution happening there. Yeah. So yay, Beyonce. Yeah. So so I, I, I can't have you here and not talk about um your work on the documentary uh, about R. Kelly, we, we talk about that each time you're here, and it same, seems that each time there's <laughs> some change in the movement, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's true that since the last time we talked, um, you know, he, he was sentenced. Um, uh, and, and I did want to just give you a chance to talk about what that means um, and, and sort of how that propels the conversation about mm -hmm. uh, all of the things that he is, uh, you know, now convicted of, of of doing, and sort of how how much broadly they exist in the culture. Mm -hmm. Well, on one hand, I'd like to think that I don't have anything new to say, but I do. I mean, w one of the things that I'll continue to say is kind of what I said about Dre, like an apology in the end would have meant so much more in terms of propelling conversations mm. and, and and moving the culture. Like his conviction does nothing to kind of um, heal that, you know, what's happened to the women that he personally victimized, the, the kind of conversations that are incredibly painful that this opens up that are um, just defensive and regressive and 
and and revealing in ways that no one wants. You know, when you hear someone defending R. Kelly, you're just like, wow, I can't believe, you know, that you've been in my life this long. You know, and so an admission, you know, and and of course, there are all kinds of reasons why that doesn't happen. It has to do with our justice system and and, um, the way that, you know, we don't encourage restitution and restoration, true um, restitution and restoration. I, I look at his, these prosecutors who are moving forward with these separate cases um, as a way to fortify a conviction, because this doesn't actually add time to his sentence, um, which his supporters were so, like, they seem trying, like, like, it was some win for them to point that out. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it fortifies it, given what happened with Bill Cosby coming home. Um, so it fortifies that there are these separate convictions happening in other places. But in this particular case, the thing that I have to say that's new is that um, that this woman, uh, who was at the center of the case that mm-hmm. just closed in Chicago, was, you know, Sparkle's niece, who he met at 12, who he um, abused on tape um, when she was 14. That tape went viral pre-internet in 2001 um, and created all kinds of conversation, much of it satirical. Um, I think of the boondocks, I think of Dave Chappelle, I think of all of these kind of like comedy skits that were made about the abuse that happened to this girl. Mm -hmm. She remained in a relationship with him. She was a 14 year old who thought she was in love with a a man in his mid thirties. And so she was groomed and she stayed that way for for almost two decades. And it wasn't until she saw our series and she saw how she was a part of a pattern. Um, and, and of course, she's an, uh, herself the age that R. Kelly was when he began grooming her. Now she's in her mid-30s. Right. And so she finally, I mean, this is this broke up their family. You know, when Sparkle kind of um, gave up her career and spoke out against this, she not only lost her career as, as the only platinum-selling artist that R. Kelly had on his label, but she lost um, her relationship with her family um, who were complicit in her abuse, who were accepted payoff. Um, and, and she sometimes get a, gets gets kind of blamed for that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but anyway, she stood up for herself in court and she testified and it was as a result of having seen surviving R. Kelly. So in that way, to know that that particular young um, woman, and she's still young at 35, but when she got, you know, trapped in this drama, she was 12, trapped in this abuse, she was 12, um, because that's when he started grooming her, even though we have the evidence at 14. Um, I'm, 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 I'm happy that she saw the, the project. I'm yeah. not happy is not the right word, but I'm, it, it means a lot to me that she saw that and that it changed her mind. Sure, sure. I mean, that that's incredible yeah. value, right? Um, I mean, and, mm-hmm. and the whole thing started... In my opinion, started a, a a number of conversations about things that that people are really uncomfortable talking about um, and acknowledging. You know, you you mentioned that you felt like um, you know an apology from him might have had real value. I, I wonder if you think he's sorry about what he did. And and I, I asked that because I had a conversation maybe a few weeks ago with somebody 
who was really lamenting the fact that no one is talking about what, you know, how he became this person, right? I mean, not to excuse any of his behavior, but uh-huh. that this is a created, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, person and, and monster, I guess, if you want to use that word. But do you feel like if he had the opportunity I, I to don't apologize. use the word monster. Yeah. yeah, I don't use the word monster. And not only did he, well, first of all, that's not true that no one, that lament is misplaced. We talked about his abuse. We begin this um, talking about his abuse. He's talked about his abuse. He's mm-hmm. gone on top of Smiley and talked about his abuse. Um, we use that in Surviving R. Kelly. Um, it was important. It's germane. Um, it. He had every opportunity, unlike so many people, uh, victims of sexual abuse. Most of them don't go on to make tens of millions of dollars. Sure. Um, and and I say, you know, when we talk about restitution, some of it is financial. The kind of like repair that the women who are victimized by him require, um, I mean, that they need requires money, right? He had those resources available to him. Um and he also had a 2008 trial, you know, where this young lady who he was, who showed up in court this time, didn't show up in court because she thought she was in love with R. Kelly. And um, by the time the trial happened, she was about 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he'd manipulated that trial. You know, it was really the 08 trial when I began to understand how in charge of like how aware he was of his abuse. I mean, there were other things. I, I kind of don't want to talk about this too, too much, but I mean, we, you know, in the, we, we've talked about in the series about the kind of false <sighs> confessions that he would make his victims sign. It was a kind of um, pre, it was an insurance against like them going to the police later. Right. So, so he had a whole system that let me know that he was very much aware um, but yeah, if this can open up a conversation, I mean, there's a pastor, obviously this isn't something that just happens in the black community that, you know, I was looking at some, you know, white youth pastor who's 24, who was, um, I mean, I'm sorry, he's not 24. He, he's a, he's a grown up. I think he was 24 when he started grooming this 14 year old, but he was like, I, I you're 18 now mm-hmm. we can announce our relationship. And, and you saw all these like, you know, kind of right wing guys kind of justifying it. They're usually you know, all in, in knots about pedophilia, um, mm-hmm. some of them, you know, and it, it was just, um, so it's amazing, you know, that what we have tolerated for so long, um, and, and, you know, it, it's just something that we're going to have to, to, to break, you know, generational trauma, really. Um, you, we live in a country, I think that Delaware was one of the last states to um, fight raising the legal age of consent from 10. Right, right. So, I mean, um, so when we look at place, yeah, exactly. When we look at um, other countries, Islamic countries, for instance, and we have these wild stories about their culture, we, we only need to look at ourselves as a, as a country and a culture. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Dream Hampton, this happens every time you come on. We run out of time and I still have like eight things I want to talk to you about. <laughs> but, but well, can I tell great. you about a conversation that yeah. I'll be having? It's, it'll be open to the public. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. I'm I'm the Barry M. Klein Visiting Chair for Culture and Globalization at Oakland University, um, which is great. It yeah. has me home this winter semester. I was, <laughs> I was, I'm the inaugural visiting chair, so it's exciting. And I'll be talking um, to Sawatu Salamara, 
um, a local activist, yes. an environmental activist. You, you may have been in conversation with her. She's been on the show. She, yeah, absolutely. Good, good. <laughs> yeah. So you know about her fight. Yeah. Um, not only to close down here in Valley, Huron Valley, the only women's prison, but also ab- after having given birth in Huron Valley, shackled, denied, you know, right. being able to give her child breast milk. Um, she they put the wrong one in jail on that one because she immediately began petitioning Whitmer and others um, to change the policies in Huron Valley, along with Natalie Holbrook. And so on um, Tuesday, the 21st. Um, we will be having a conversation, feminism, abolition, and the fight to close down Huron Valley. It's from seven to eight. It's a Zoom event um, sponsored by the Klein Center and Color of Change. And um, and yeah, it'll be happening live on the 21st yeah. from seven to eight. And, and where can people go to, to find the Zoom? If you have a, it's, it, I hate to, this is like tinyurl.com and then fem abolition. But I can, okay. I can send it to your producers yeah, if they, we'll put it on the website. On. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, like I said, uh, we could use lots more time to, to, to keep talking, but we'll Thank have you, you back Steven. soon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, come back Monday when we're going to be talking with Kimberly Atkins Store about recent and noteworthy cases at the U.S. Supreme Court. If you like our show and enjoy listening, remember, not only can you share it with your friends, you also ought to join this community. WDET.org. Make a donation and become a member here at WDET. We'll talk again on Monday. <laughs>